children find out that he's alive, oh, well, is he the creator of the universe? Of course he's not. You're not in the hands of a safe God. You no, know, you really got to get this. He's not tame. He's not safe. Let me tell you why this matters. Let me tell you why this matters. Because if you have a, if you have a safe, tame God, the minute he steps out of safe and tame, you're going to get mad at him. And so you just might as well settle the fact that he might make you chain yourself to a wall naked for three and a half years. Probably not, but he could. And so just simple prophetic acts like that, you know, just that connection. Be willing to let the Lord challenge you to do things. Because sometimes the act of doing things. We, uh, we were contending for breakthrough in finances one time in school of worship when I was leading it. And um, this uh, Korean gentleman named Solomon Bach comes up. And Solomon was, he was like, Typical, responsible, Korean first child. You know, just very rational, he's scientific, you know, that whole thing. And he goes, he comes up, and because it was Solomon, it held a lot of weight. He goes, I just had a picture of us jumping rope. <laughs> and this is Solomon. I'm like, I, I don't care if it's God or not, we're doing it because you said it. <laughs> and so... We were contending for financial breakthrough, and uh, the only thing we had was a mic cord. What a terrible use of a mic cord, but we did it. We did it. So we can, we can replace the mic cord. And so we're doing this thing, and, like, we had this big, long jump rope, and people got in, and they jumped and started counting off the hundreds of dollars they needed. And they would jump until that every single one of them got breakthrough within about two weeks from this ridiculous prophetic thing. Now, is there something magic in the kingdom about jumping rope? God's like, oh, finally they've discovered the secret to the movement of the spirit. <laughs> Jumping rope, that and Barbie. No, actually, I don't know why I said that. I, but, yeah, I have no idea why I said that. I'm a dad with girls, just, you know. It just jumped into my mind. But the thing is, don't underestimate the power of these simple little things that break something in the spirit. You know. So how many of you felt freedom as they were doing it? You, you, there was a joy that came over you as they were doing that. Did you notice it? Yeah. It's just simple stuff. All right. By the way, yesterday was what I consider a normal worship time. I think this whole idea of just singing songs, if you're just singing songs, Oh, I thought you were going to have a question already. <laughs> yeah. Can you define what you mean by that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if we're just singing songs, we're not leading worship. I really believe that. Because what our whole, you guys, what you carry prophetically is so massive. Because you are actually called to facilitate the invitation and the release of the presence of God. You guys are going to have Kevin Norris next week. If you thought this week was good, <laughs> when do you get to Kevin Norris? <laughs> some of you got worried. What? <laughs> I, I actually had somebody come up to me in the second week of our school and says, are we going to cry like this every week? <laughs> I don't think I could take it for 12 weeks. And they cried for 12 weeks. <laughs> yeah. I had this one Japanese gal in, in, in our, our school of worship, and 
I found out a couple of years later that in Japan, she's considered quite tough. Because her, her, the way she speaks Japanese, she's, she's from uh, Yokohama, and she's cho Yankee, you know? <laughs> she, no, I mean, really, really, she's uh, got this real Yankee vibe. Yankee, help me explain that. Yeah, sort of gangster. Yeah, she's, you know, okay, like somebody, somebody tripped her in the, in the train station. Not, not Yakuza, that's, uh, that's a little strong. Uh, but, uh, but it's more like a tough kid. And so she was walking in the train station and somebody tripped her and she, she went, and they didn't say anything. So in the train station, she looks at this woman and goes, Sinimasen, what? <laughs> and this woman's like, Sinimasen. <laughs> which, which is like, what I did is basically like, are you going to say excuse me? She did it right in the station. See, but I didn't know this about her because when I saw her, she cried every day for 12 weeks. She was just a big wimp. <laughs> so, yeah, no. Uh, but, oh, yeah. Stop it. Um, so when, when you guys are, are leading worship, it's not, we have been so seduced into thinking lead worship is song times. And then I'm going to get up there, I'm going to facilitate a song time. But no, I actually want you to remember yesterday is what, a worship time is supposed to look like. Because Holy Spirit shows up and the Holy Spirit starts moving. I did not lead that meeting yesterday. Holy Spirit led that meeting yesterday. And how many of you got real freedom yesterday? That's what the Bible means when it says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. I want to call you higher that that is what you are trying to step into as a worship leader that you are facilitating intercession times. You're facilitating healing times. You're facilitating deliverance. You know, I, I want you to get a higher vision of what you're called to do because worshipers are warriors. Because when you worship, you push back the power of darkness, you invite the spirit of truth, and the truth sets people free. So you are bringers of freedom. You are smashers of chains. You are one, people who break and open jail cells. You're the ones who invite people to come out of darkness into light. But God's going to do it in you first. So welcome to the rest of your school. I guarantee you, you're going to do way more crying than you ever thought possible. And that's a good thing. Bring water. You need to rehydrate. Got to rehydrate. <laughs> What I wanted to do today, um, I do have some more things I want to share, but I really felt like the Lord said that we do it more in a debrief form. And so I want to talk about the last two days, but I, wanna, I just want to say this one thing. I don't want you to recount your, your experience, because we all saw, you know, you all did it in front of each other. I want you to talk about what was going on in your heart. What specific area did God bring release to so you could move into more intimacy? That's really the focus I want you to kind of stay on. So what was happening in you the last two days? So who's brave enough to go first? It actually didn't start before, or, well, I thought it started before that, but um, the moment you said um, the sentence, I, I don't know how you exactly said it, but the content was, um, like it's easy to believe when you see it, but I mean, how cool is it when you believe without seeing? Yeah. And I was just like, 
oh my gosh, this is so true. Yeah. Like, I'd, I'd rather not see it, but believe it, and then, like, yeah. get a reward for that. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I'm, I know that, but still, like, it just <laughs> opened, it opened, my, like, I've heard it before. I've heard it before, like, a lot of times, but it was just, yesterday, with all that together, it just, yeah, I don't know. It, it broke, like, an unbelief that I broke before while doing, like, while standing on that thing. I kind of broke it already, but, like, after I, I heard that sentence again, I was like, oh, yeah, that's that's totally true. Like, that's just so true. It's just, like, I have a lot of doubt, like, um, in my DTS, like, my, my subject of, like, trying to break was... Um, like hearing God's voice, and and yeah, like I'm I'm also like really afraid that when I pray that my prayer like they're not getting answered, and I also think I'm not a good prayer, like not good in praying, and um, yeah, I'm just afraid that my prayer is not going to get answered, and I think that because I'm afraid and because I don't believe, that's the reason why I don't get answered. So yeah. And the same thing also, like, the, um, sorry, <laughs> it just came to my mind. <laughs> um, the I leave today. You guys are with each other for the next five months. You are going to be more influential in each other's lives than any of these people. And my job, I'm not a hired gun. This is my home. I believe in this school from the bottom of my toes. But what I know from years and years and years of being involved in this school is that when you guys rise up as a community, you're going to see way more happen. Because the speakers will feel something that you guys are going to miss to walk out. So we need each other. So also that, I don't know, like some of you guys probably saw us, but uh, saw me, but um, when we were at the church last, I don't know, Monday? Was it Monday? Yeah, so they were like praying for healing and stuff, and I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. and I was sitting there for like two hours already and like not really feeling it. And um, then he called, then she called out, like, yeah, I, f- I feel like someone is there, like, with a headache, a constant headache. And I'm like, hmm. And people were, like, <laughs> looking at me. And I was like, oh, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they did, they did. <laughs> and I was like, okay, then pray for me. And, um, I, like, I knew it's because I don't believe that it's going to happen, that it didn't happen. And that really frustrated me. But it's kind of like, yeah, I, I really broke that yesterday, I think. Like, there's a lot of work on it, and, like, uh, I'm sure they're going to be, like, days. Like, okay, I don't believe it again. (laughs) But um, I think, like, the most part is done, (laughs) or, like, the hardest part is done, maybe. Yeah. Uh, My son, I I, I have prayed for I don't know how many sick people, and I've only seen a few people ever get healed. I don't walk in that very strong yet, and I'm going to use the word yet. But it's funny, my son... um, when I was nine years old, I was lifting a box, and there was this incredible feeling like I'd stepped into a lightning socket, and all of a sudden, I was in agonizing pain. I had to be taken to the hospital, and I had compressed my spine, and I was nothing. I couldn't do anything. I was like, everything hurt, and I literally mean everything. It laying there hurt. But anytime I would move anything, I felt like I was being electrocuted, and it hurt so bad. And my nine-year-old son comes up to me, and he goes, Dad, this is not good. I'm like, well, yeah. 
<laughs> and we were moving the next day. The reason I was lifting the box is we were moving. And now I'm incapacitated. And I'm having a little bit of a freak out on top of being in pain. And so my son comes up to me. He goes, I'm going to pray for healing. There was two sides of me, and they were both there strong. One of them was, I'm so excited about my son praying. I really want to celebrate him. I really want to believe. The other part of me is like, and I don't know if it's going to do anything. I didn't feel like it wouldn't, but I was, you know. So he lays hands on me. And this, my nine-year-old, this is how he prays. He goes, because he's kind of imitating things he's seen. And he goes, in the name of Jesus, I command pain to go. I command healing to come, and I speak revolution over your body. <laughs> revolution. That's awesome. I don't even know what that means. I had no idea what that meant. And then he looks at me immediately. He goes like this. He goes, how do you feel? And he's expecting something to happen. And, I'm, and I had to be honest with him. I felt exactly the same. So I said, son, that was a great prayer, and I totally felt the faith. And, but I'm going to be really honest with you. I feel the same. And he goes, no, no. Because when we pray, he goes, Dad, I've heard you say it's impossible to pray to a good God to have nothing happen. And I just prayed, and God's good. And then he goes, okay, Lord. He goes, today you're going to be 80% better, and by tomorrow you're going to be 100% better. He declared it. I declare. Okay, bye. <laughs> you know, just that simple childlike faith. By that evening, I was 80% better. The next day, I was lifting boxes. And, and, and I was like, son, you prayed I got healed. He's like, well, yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Stupid. I th thought you were the base director. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so those just those simple moments. The, the thing I'm communicating here is it's not about our faith. It's about his faithfulness. And so I don't worry if people get healed or not when I pray. It's my job to pray. It's his job to heal. Because a lot of times we don't pray for the sick because we're afraid nothing will happen. Can I tell you that that's not your business? Just pray. Because if you don't pray, I guarantee you nothing will happen. You know, you will get 100% of the prayers you don't pray answered. 100% of what you don't pray won't happen, I promise. <laughs> You'll be very consistent. But I have a friend named Diane Rima. She was actually one of the, the leaders in Crossroads when we did our Crossroads DTS. And she went to the Philippines. <laughs> And the Lord told her, you are going to the Philippines to pray for the sick. She was so excited. So she gets there, and the Lord told her to tell people that. I'm here to pray for the sick. So she starts praying and praying. And all these people come. You know how many people got healed? And she's getting mad at God. I don't understand this. I don't understand this. I Forget it. I'm not done. No, I t are you going to obey me or not? You told me I was going to pray for the sick. Are you praying for the sick? Yes, then you're obeying. Well, I thought praying implied healing the sick. He goes, it does. But they're not getting healed. Keep praying. <sighs> so she had to break through her own belief. She had to break through her own passivity. She had to break through all this junk. Finally, it's literally the last week, and they bring this, this woman to her, and they say, hey, where are you pray for the sick? And Diane says, yes. Inside she's going, ha, 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 ha. Yes, nothing happens, but I do pray for them. And so she, she goes, yeah, I, I pray for the sick. <laughs> she goes, I'd like you to pray for my friend. Sure, what's wrong with her? She's blind. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I'll pray, nothing's going to happen. That's uh, uh, the ultimate in humiliation. So she prays a prayer that literally is about like this. 
Lord, because you're good, I just ask you to heal this blind woman. The woman starts to scream. Ah, 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 I can see, I can see. And Diane goes, really? (laughs) True story. And if she had stopped there, I think the story's funny. But then she goes, how blind were you? (laughs) So much of intimacy, we base it on how we feel. And because of that, our faith is based on how we feel. And so, we, like I said, the first day, we make idols of our emotions. And so what happens is God wants you to learn to walk by faith, not by sight, like it says in the Word. He is deposit. Wow, this thing keeps shutting up. I'm going to mess with it for a minute. <laughs> We're good. Vizio. So, but remember what we started off this week is that he's given us everything we need to live a godly life. It's deposited in us. I don't know why this isn't coming on. Oh, hi. (laughs) By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him. The one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory. Intimacy, power, unction, anointing, it's already in you, but your feelings will often stop you from believing that. All right, who else? Tell me what what was going on in you the last two days. Come on. Yes, ma'am, because I saw such a change. Yes, okay, I felt um, shame towards just my emotions break off. Uh, I think I've always felt all my life shame towards how I feel towards things, even if I know it's right, and and I'm such a fighter for what's right, and I get angry at wrong things, and um, yeah, exactly, and (laughs) yes. Amen. Exactly. And so I think that has opened up my eyes to just letting go of all that shame. So. How was that shame blocking you from being real? That's a good question. I think I felt like I couldn't fall in love with God because of my emotions. And it was such a huge, awful, not true thing. A lot, uh huh. Can anybody else relate to that? You felt like you weren't good enough for God. Yes. Yeah. You don't feel loved when you are, but in your emotions, you're like, yes, I'm really loved, but you're not really loved. Yeah. So that's my story. I want to introduce you to a couple more of my kids just to springboard off of what you just said. This is my Claire Bear. <laughs> she's, she's older than now. She's 11. <laughs> that little boy asked if he could marry her. <laughs> maybe, maybe later, maybe later. Um, but, okay, she's the one with the learning challenges, and, and she's, she is an interesting little girl. We're walking along, and she goes, Daddy, I just don't get go- how God's eternal. 
I'm like, well, yep, a lot of people don't, sweetheart. A lot of people. But, I mean, he's always been. Yes, and he always will be. Yes. She goes, wow. Maybe it's like lines, segments, and rays. What, 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 what do you mean, sweetie? And she goes, well, you know, lines go on forever. They have no beginning, no end. That's like God. But line segments, they have a beginning and an end. That's like us. But rays have a beginning but no end. That's us when we come to God. Could, could you repeat that, sweetheart? <laughs> Okay, this is her typical third culture friendship group. Half Japanese, check this, half Japanese, half Pakistani. Raised in Japan, Japanese, half Ghanaian, half Japanese. Czechoslovakian, adopted by Americans growing up in Japan. <laughs> and when they talk to each other, they, they use chumple, you know, it's like, it's like, ja it's like jenglish. They use Japanese and English interchangeably. And so in the sentence, they'll just switch languages to whatever language fits the idea the best. <laughs> yeah, because there's some things you really can't say in English that you can only say in Japanese and uh, vice versa. And so, you know, she's, she is like my deep connections girl. So she doesn't do very well in school. But the teachers are all shocked because when it comes to, like, literature and history, she pulls things together in ways that the teachers often do what you guys just did. It's like, <laughs> she can't do math to save her life. But, boy, when she'll read something, she'll connect it to other ideas that is simply just not an 11-year-old skill. Okay. Then there's her sister, Abby. <laughs> oh, that little girl owns me. <laughs> she owns me. But she is funny. She does this little dance thing. She can do her hips like you would not believe. She loves to dance, and she knows that Daddy is in love. <laughs> she knows that. And she just, she's funny. She's got a good sense of humor. Um, I just have to show you this little picture just because I think it's so cute. <laughs> yeah, I just... Love that, yeah. And then we added carrots and salt and pepper. Cook over a low heat. No. <laughs> that is so wrong. <laughs> um. <laughs> you were the first ones to ever hear that joke, and I am going to do it from now on. Okay. People fight to have Abby on their evangelism team because she's such an extrovert. People hand out things in Japan all the time, and we don't do a lot of tracting, but this was an invitation to an event we were doing. Everybody wanted her on the team because people will take anything from her. And she could be handing out dead rats, and they'd be like, oh, kawaii, and they'd take it. <laughs> you know? Okay, so these two girls... So my deep connection girl, Claire, she comes to me, and she says, Daddy, Christmas is Jesus' birthday, right? Yes. How can we give each other presents? At, uh, uh, <laughs> she goes, you know what? I want to give Jesus a present for Christmas. 
okay, that sounds great. And I'm thinking, oh, how cute. She's going to draw him a picture. Jesus, I love you. Yeah, what do you want to give him? I want to go prayer walk the shrines on New Year's Day. <laughs> okay, not what I was expecting. <laughs> because um, in, in Japan, uh, on Shogato, and, and then um, Hatsumore, they call it, your first temple visit of the year, everybody in Japan is going to temple. She wants to prayer walk when everybody's there. So I'm like, yeah. You <laughs> At the same time, I've lived in Japan a while, and I'm like, how, where is this going? But you have to be pretty unspiritual to not say yes to that. So we did it. So we get to the first little shrine in our neighborhood, and people are there. I go, okay, sweetie, let's pray. And again, I don't know what I was expecting, but I wasn't expecting this. Jesus, <laughs> show these people that this God is fake. <laughs> show these people that this God is not a God. Amen. <laughs> and you know the Japanese are like <laughs> crazy gaijin child. <laughs> so, I don't know how you say gaijin child, cool gaijin. I don't know. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> so we do this at every shrine in our area. Finally, we go to a really big one, and I've gotten kind of used to it. I'm okay. It's like, all right. Here's where my daughter disrupts the harmony. <laughs> My little foreigner child, <laughs> breaking the what? So, so go ahead. And then she does this, though. She, she, she has a gift for making me cry. She says, Jesus, you remember the story of how the shepherd left the 99 to go after the one? This nation is the one. Would you please go after them? I'm just Okay, well, this one sees me crying and she's like I, dad, wow Claire's getting good reactions from daddy she goes I want to pray I want to pray I want to pray and I'm crying you go ahead and pray sweetie this is what she prays Jesus don't let monsters eat all the women in our city <laughs> and don't let the birds bite us while we're playing amen So I am crying, and I'm laughing at the same time. I'm like, <laughs> that was a good prayer, sweetie. That was a good prayer. So good. So good. But, but listen to where, <laughs> I know it's ridiculous. But then listen to where God goes with this. Later on, I'm remembering that, and the Lord asked me a question. Which one of your daughters did you live the, love the most at that moment? What do you mean, which one did I love the most? I love them the same. He says, yeah, one of your daughters was deeply connected to my spirit, totally dialed in with me, and your other daughter was showing off and just trying to get your attention. But you love them both exactly the same. So that's right. He goes, why do you think I love you more when you perform better? Men and women? Why do you think God loves you more when you perform better? He doesn't. He doesn't. He loves you exactly the same whether you're really getting it or whether you're being really stupid. Because some of us do the spiritual equivalent of <laughs> don't let the monsters eat all the women in the city, you know. We have more spiritual words than that, but it's the same level of disconnect from his heart. 
do we ever do things out of religion or performance or just, you know? And he still loves you. So break the idea that your performance has anything to do with his love for you. Break it. Kill it. It doesn't. What are you laughing at, Kezi? All right, who else? I want to hear from you guys now. It's important that we debrief yesterday. Come on, there are no chickens in this room. You guys, you guys stomped on a rag and confessed ridiculousness. So let's let's. Yes, um, just summarizing my head. That's all. But me, for me, it was on Wednesday. I think the big thing because it's like I know it's like it's God has always been like hey that's you know when you project like I project my parents to God it's like okay especially my father image and all that is I guess we all have it in some degree and and just basically is to kind of get an understanding of my dad like I know he loves me but it's never really been there for me um not as a child, like when now when I'm an adult he can connect like but he never understood what it was to be a father. So that just their relationship is very it's not a whole one, like I can pray about that, I can talk to him with a lot of things, like parts. But then like deep deep I don't don't know if I can trust him, like with everything in me, because he won't understand. So that I projected a lot to God and be like, hey, I don't know if I can trust you. I don't know if what you say will be true because my father did not stay. You know, he did not um, meet our needs or whatever. So, like, God has always been like, I know, you know, he's speaking to me and he's like, I'm not like him. I'm not like him. You know, this is me. And I can take it in. So for me, I think it was really important like all from the start of this week um i just realized like from the beginning okay god you're doing something here again i know that i need to take a step because i try to take away that from god by myself and it doesn't work and i've been praying god just show me your love show me who what it means to be your daughter and you being my father but just now you were talking i just realized this this wrong picture could not be broken by myself. It needed to be broken by prayer. And so I just want to say that like sometimes we actually need to we we have to stand in the gap for someone else. Because sometimes like, oh, you know, I only need God. I've been telling myself that so many times. Like, well, God can do it. Yeah, he can. But sometimes he needs someone else to speak that over you and to actually stand with you and pray. And the same thing was like yesterday when I was okay, I'm gonna break this fear and this lie. Um because there is all connected with feeling rejected or not worthy to be loved and um yeah, just because I can be like, Yeah, I only need you, God, you know, I'm I know I'm loved by you <laughs> but if I don't receive that from someone else as well. I don't really believe it. And uh, being honest, like yesterday and also Wednesday, you, I was, I think the, 
the summary of it would be the openness thing. You know, it's so easy to be like, oh, I can just deal with this with God. I close myself up and, you know, you can do your thing. But if I'm saying, hey, this is me, I don't want this anymore. You know, I'm also reaching out and allowing other people to love because that's how God made us. I don't, yeah, it's a lot of thinking. I also connect, not, not as deep as your daughter, but a lot. <laughs> yeah. Something so important. I, I I have a huge value, not just well. Okay, let me start that sentence over. I feel like it's absolutely necessary for us to bring things into the light, and bringing things into the light really always involves other people. I actually have a very strong belief that most of us will not get free until we're really willing to be vulnerable in front of somebody else. How many of you heard somebody confess something that you were like? Oh, it's not just me. Yesterday, how many of you felt that? How many of you felt a little relieved that it wasn't just you? (laughs) Did anybody feel actually a sense of gratitude that you got loved right where you were in your brokenness? The whole world is longing for this. But if we don't even carry it, how can we give it away? Because the first two days here, I felt you guys were open but I was getting really confused. Who has seen the X-Men? Has anybody seen X-Men, any of them? Can you remember when Wolverine gets shot? It's like, <laughs> gets knocked down, but then the bullet goes. <laughs> I actually felt like some of the teaching was doing that. I would see it hit you. Be like, Stonk. And you'd be like, yeah, yeah. Huh. And then all of a sudden I'd watch you go, yep. And I felt like I went. <laughs> I said, what the heck was that? And you're smiling because <laughs> that nope. <laughs> but see, it wasn't just you. And I thought, what is that, Lord? This is weird. And the Lord told me, they actually really don't trust each other yet. And how many of you feel a lot more trust for each other now? You are going to watch. This school is going to explode because of what you guys allowed each other to see. Because the secret life is a life of death. If you live your sin in secret, see, whatever you do in secret multiplies more. Hear this. This is a download from the Lord right now. What you do in secret, what you live in secret, multiplies more. And so the thing is, if you live sin in secret, it will multiply quicker. Likewise, if you have a deep secret life with the Lord, it multiplies quicker. Did you catch that? A secret life of sin multiplies really fast, but a secret life with the Lord multiplies really fast too. So secret life, if it's the right secret life, is really important. And so the trick is, though, both of them need to be brought into the light. If you've got the light of the Lord deposited in you, then it actually, oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, oh, what am I supposed to do when you walk? i got to hug you. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> yeah, that's so good, so good. All right. So when you have a secret life with the Lord, it needs to be brought into the light. If it just stays a secret life of the Lord, people don't get to eat the fruit that's coming out of your life. And the fruit in our life is for the feeding of the nations. But if your secret life with sin isn't brought into the light, then pretty soon people will be eating that fruit too. And it's really gnarly. It's bad fruit. So what happened yesterday is you guys brought stuff into the light. The power of the secret was broken. The power of shame was broken. And 
believe it or not, when that happens, the walls that were blocking you from having a secret life with the Lord were now torn down. So now you can actually have a more powerful secret life with the Lord. Not because you performed better. In fact, think about it. You didn't really do anything yesterday other than expose your junk. But freedom comes. But that also implies that you guys have to be trustworthy with each other's heart. You are going to have to, from this day forward, you are now accountable to contend for each other. I have not put any obligation on you since the school started. Have you noticed that? I trust Holy Spirit to do that. I'm about to put my one and only obligation on you. Look at your neighbors. And I want you to say quietly to each one, I commit to fight for your heart. <laughs> Sam. <laughs> Sam looks like a Pentecostal preacher back. He's like, fight, 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 fight. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I think it's Ezekiel 37 that talks about the river that flows from the throne room of God and then in Revelation 19, I believe as well, but anyway, it's Revelation for sure, about this river of life that's flowing. It's an eternal picture that this river that flows, it flows into the, into the Dead Sea, basically, and it makes the salt water fresh. Now, okay, if you live in Hawaii, you know that when fresh water flows into the, the, the ocean, it doesn't make the ocean fresh. This is a supernatural picture. This is a picture of the, the sweet water from the Lord actually changes saltiness. And so what happens is the closer you actually get to where that transformation is happening, there's an incredible harvest. And it talks about the trees on the, the, the uh, shore bearing fruit every month. Anybody here ever do any gardening? Do fruit, trees bear fruit every month. So this is supernatural fruitfulness. And if you look at the picture, it talks about... A thousand meters out, it's up to his knees, and then you get a little farther out, it's up to his hips, and then it's pretty soon it's up to his chest, and then pretty soon it talks about the rivers flowing. And the whole idea is that we're supposed to get off of the shores where we're still in control. Okay, has anybody here stepped into a river that had a strong current? Okay, and you step in, and even an ankle deep, you can feel it's like pulling, and you're like, oh, wow. Now, here's what we do with the Spirit all the time. We'll step into it, and we feel it, and we go, wow, I'm in the spirit. Yeah, I can feel it right there in my ankles. <laughs> you know, and then we go, oh, that was great. I really enjoy it. Back up on the shore. We tell everybody about our experience in the river. Wow, my feet got totally wet. It was awesome. But then it talks about getting in there up to, their, up to your knees. Have you ever been in a really rushing river up to your knees? You can be in danger up to your knees. Because it's strong enough to pull your legs out from underneath you. And what if you're smart in the natural, you'll be a little, a little afraid. Because you can drown by being pulled off your feet. It only need deep, need deep water. But, uh, no, but here's the spiritual parallel. We get into the river and we're like, wow, man, it is strong here. I almost got completely swept up. Maybe even you do get knocked down. And like, shaba. Man, it was awesome. But then what do we do? We get back up on the shore. We show everybody our wet kneecaps. Yeah, look at that. Yeah, look at that. The bottom of my pants, they are wet. 
We'll start whole ministries based on wet knees ministries. <laughs> but see, when you start getting up to here, then you actually are well aware that you are very likely going to lose control. Does this make sense? Let me get, yeah. So, so you feel like you're about to lose control. And at this point, this is actually when you sense that the Holy Spirit is actually bigger than you and wants to sweep you away. This is actually where a lot of people pull the plug. Too scary, I'm afraid of losing control. Don't we do this? See, but then God talks about going all the way in where you ha it's just too deep to even touch the ground anymore. That's the picture of where we're actually supposed to go, where your feet can't touch the ground anymore and you're no longer the one controlling. You have to go where the current takes you. And then it tells you where the current's going to take you. It takes you down where the fresh water makes the salt water fresh. And it talks about an incredible harvest, catching fish of all kinds. It talks about the trees that are planted on that river, which is a picture of Psalm 1. You know, bringing forth their fruit in season, it says in Psalm 1. But here it says, bringing forth their fruit every month. And in Revelation, it just talks about this fruit being for the feeding of the nations. So the goal is... You are no longer in control. You can't touch the ground anymore, and you let the current take you. And the heart of it is, if I drown, I drown. So, let God win. All right, who else? that got brought to me like last year. Um, I think 37 is actually about the shepherd's word in Isaiah. So that's why we don't talk about it very much. Um, yeah, so actually like this goes right off of like what you're saying with like control. Because I feel like um, the main thing like yesterday um, that I just really experienced was just like came from just letting myself not be in control. Because um, it's like, I don't know, pretty much like I knew like <laughs> even like walking down to class yesterday morning, I just could feel, and I was just like, oh, God, okay. And like, well, well, the night before I like, I just, I was like, okay, God, tomorrow, like, I give it to you, like, you know, and then so I'm just like, you know, but part of me was kind of like, yeah, but probably not going to do anything, you know, <laughs> hoping, I don't know. But um, <laughs> it's like, well, I just could feel in my heart, like, something big was going to happen, and it scared me, because um, I think, like, for me, like, one of the biggest things with God dealing, like, you know, dealing with the things that I, like, dealing with my fears and, like, bringing freedom is, like, is because, like, I don't, what's going to happen, what does that look like, God? Like, well, I want to know, like, everything. I want to know, like, okay, well, how am I going to react? What is that going to look like? You know, how, you know, how is this going to be? I don't, it's, it's just a sense of, like, not wanting, like, I want to be in control. And I just, like, have, I think, lived so long with, um, like, I shared yesterday, like, fear of being, like, angry or, and dealing with that. Like, God kind of spoke to me, like, 
well with Stephanie last year about, you know, dealing with my anger. Um, because I kind of just like let myself pretend like I never get angry because of what I've. <laughs> just frustrated. It's a difference. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so because I knew, I think because part of me, like knowing that I have, like I had anger that I need to get out or like let God deal with, like my brain, my mind automatically remembers like, you know, ish things of my brother punching out walls or my dad punching out my brother or like whatever it is, you know, like, and I'm like, I don't want to be that. Um, so it was just, it was really cool because I was just, you know, on the floor, like, and finally let go. And I finally let God just do what he was going to do. And it was not as bad. Like, it was not <laughs> what, like, I was afraid of. Um, so I don't know. Like, that was awesome. Like, I feel like in that just gave me, then I was be able to experience, like, God is my father more and like I pray for more and more revelation of that definitely but um just yeah like I just experienced his love in a different way and like not having to keep it together because I've also had just you know had the fear of like well if I lose control and I just all my mess is out then people are gonna be like look at that girl she's a mess like <laughs> uh it's too much for me to handle you know and just so it's, I don't know The main lie that most of us believe is that if people only knew what I was really like, I won't be loved. And the funny thing is, you can actually know in your head that God loves you, but be terrified that people won't love you, and it will block your relationship with God. Because we need each other. We're designed to need each other. It's an uncomfortable reality. You don't have the option to not need your brothers and sisters in Christ. And that may be really tough news for some of you. Because being vulnerable with people has turned out badly with other people. Let's not be Pollyanna Christian. You know, let's, let's not fake it here. People are not always safe, agreed? And I got bad news for you. They will never be always safe. But here's a secret to my heart that I want to share with you guys. It's not that I trust other people as much as I trust God for those people. I'm going to say that again. It's not that I trust other people 100%. It's I trust God for those people. And I am careful who I share the secrets of my heart with. I mean, some people aren't trustworthy. 
But we don't get to hold back because of judgment. We don't get to hold back because of fear. Sometimes it's okay to not speak just out of sheer wisdom. But God has put you guys in each other's life. And I tell you what I smell in each one of you is authenticity. There's not a mean person in this room. <laughs> That's good. That was, that was a great. That was great. Yeah. There's not a mean person in this room. You guys radiate kindness. You radiate safety. And yes, you're all at different phases of what God's doing in you. But I actually, I felt comfortable to share my junk in front of you guys yesterday. I felt safe. And it's not because you're all perfect people. And I know that you could potentially hurt me. But I actually see your heart. You guys got good hearts. And I know you never do it on purpose. I would like to commend you to each other that I think you can trust each other. And it's vital that you do if you're going to facilitate what the Lord wants to do through you. If you're going to help other people get off the riverbank and get swept down to supernatural fruitfulness. It's 27. 40, 47. I, thought, I was like, 37. No, I think it's 47. 27. 47. Okay, good. Who else? Yeah. So um, when you started talking about control, that really hit me too. And just like, the picture that you gave with water and like the rushing waters, like I could feel like fear just like creeping up in me. And like, um, when I w I've always had so many fears, like when I was young, like I was afraid to swim. And just when I think about it, I realize that I just have so much fear to give up control. And that was something that I was really like trying to step out in freedom with yesterday and to just like realize that like intimacy with God, like it's like. <laughs> Like, I've been afraid of that and, like, afraid of losing control and being weird, maybe, or, like, what he's going to do or, like, losing control of my life. But realizing that, like, that that's the best thing that can happen to me and, like, still trying to realize that. But, like, that, like, peeling back the layers of the onion is what I always say. I have been, like, afraid to get too close, like, because I'm afraid that he's going to, like, mess up my life, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but, yeah, so just realizing that, you know, I can do anything or, like, be anything, like, and be weird, you know? And, like, it doesn't matter because, like, God's the only one that I need to be pleasing in this life. I think um, like giving up control is really key, especially for us women, because control can manifest in us when we have a relationship and we just want to control them. We want to control our husbands or, you know, what's going on, the kids. And if we get rid of it now, like it's just it's going to make for a much happier marriage or a, a better relationship. But no wonder like intimacy with God is stopped when we have control. So if we like if we get it get rid of it now then m more intimacy with god and then we can have good intimacy with our husbands um so yeah i just wanted to say that like let's just get rid of control because it's so stupid <laughs> <laughs> but to encourage you you guys remember what i confessed my junk was yesterday that i still want to control in my life and there's still parts of me that are convinced the comfort i can get 
is better than the comfort God can give. I'm still dealing with it. And so here's good news for you. Your fear of letting go of control isn't going to stop him from pursuing you. He's actually going to pursue you till he wins your heart and convinces you he's better and that his plan is better. Isn't that good? He's not going to be like, well, until you're ready to surrender, I'm just going to stand here with my arms crossed. He's like, no, you don't get it. I get it. I get how good I am. He's got really good self-esteem. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and he's, he's going to pursue you because he knows he's worth it. And he knows when you just get a taste of it. And this is the cool thing. You can say no a thousand times, and he's going to pursue you for a yes a thousand and one. He's going to pursue you till he gets the yes. He's never going to force you. He's not going to punish you. But he is going to pursue you. He might allow your life to get a little miserable if you say no enough times. I wish I could say that wasn't true, but he does. He does cause, because it will kill you if you say no forever. But he knows that it's, that it's good. My, my little boy, I raised a daredevil, and I didn't realize there's little things that parents do that you don't realize have prophetic significance in good ways. We sometimes create negative prophetic significance too, which that's, you know, we'll let, uh, you know, plumb line week, you review your notes. But my son, I would take him out front where there was, I had a little room, and I would throw him in the air and catch him when he was a little guy. And he would go up in the air, and he would do this. He'd be like, he'd be like, and then I'd catch him, and he'd be like, again, daddy, again. <laughs> and I'd throw him up even higher, and he'd, be, he'd go, again, daddy, again. And we would do it until my arms were tired. And my wife, she just couldn't watch. She'd be like, ha, 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 The thing is, though, that I didn't realize the prophetic significance of that is I'm teaching my son that it's okay to take risks and that he'll be caught. And the thing is, you got a daddy who really loves you, and he is going to catch you if you let him toss you. He's got it. Now, another game we played, and I just think this is hilarious. My aunt Beverly has a very long living room, and she has so many throw pillows. And I thought of the word throw pillow. What an interesting word. And I decided to test it out. <laughs> so I got all these pillows, and I, I put Reese at the end of the room. I said, Reese, come get Daddy. And he smiles, and he runs. And I start throwing pillows at him. <laughs> and, like, I'm, I'm nailing this kid. He's like, <laughs> blam. <laughs> And he laughs his head off, and he stacks the pillows up, brings them to me, and goes to the other end of the room again. <laughs> and we did this for an hour, and my whole family's laughing because I was pelting this kid. I, like, at one point, I hit him in the leg so much, he flipped over. <laughs> my wife went, ah! And he got up, and he's like, <laughs> and brings me the pillows. <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, he is a lot more courageous in his spirit than I am now. Because, you know, my dad left, and I'm still working through that. But I threw him, and I caught him. And I was the one who threw pillows at him, and he knew that I wasn't hurting him and that it was actually a game we could play together. And he trusts the Lord for risks. And we can trust the Lord for risks. We can. He will ask us to do crazy things. He's like, afraid the Lord will make you weird. Sorry. He, he probably will. <laughs> but he's safe to take risks with, you know. And so we don't have to hold back. And the other thing that, who was talking about, get, oh, you, about getting mad at God? 
Oh, man. One of, the, one of my favorite encounters with the Lord is when I was throwing a full-blown temper tantrum, swearing at God. I don't advise that, but I was. I was swearing at God, and I was so mad at him. And it was one of those things where it's like, you know what? You're holding all the cards here. I can't make you show up. I present your, myself to you, but you don't show up. Where are you? Where the heck are you? I can't make you show up here. And all of a sudden, I had this vision right in the middle of this. And it's like the heavens peeled back, and there was God, and he was laughing. <laughs> Not a mocking, condescending laugh, but like definitely the laugh of a parent watching his child throw a temper tantrum. Because my kids would like, like throw themselves on the ground, <laughs> and I'd be like, isn't that cute? <laughs> and it didn't move me to love them less, but it didn't, I didn't allow it to manipulate me either. And God's way smarter than I am. So he peels back the heavens and he's laughing. But then he scoops up me up in his arms and he puts me on his lap and just starts to rock me in the middle of my temper tantrum. I start crying. I go, how can you love me this much? I'm yelling at you. And he said, the thing is, I know why you're yelling and you don't. I actually know what's really hurting you and you don't. You think you know, but I really know. And I love you so much. He's never waved his magic wand over and made me instantly better. I wish I could find a spiritual shotgun to commit soulish suicide and just kill off my old man and walk a resurrected life. <laughs> Where is that? Oh, that's what I want. I want to tell you, I feel like the Lord is leading me to t share with you guys a prophetic dream I had when I was, when I was 19, 20 years old. And I remember it because it marked my life. But I'm in what I'm pretty sure was Jerusalem, but it was like this weird mixture of modern and old. And I come into this marketplace, and all of my closest Christian friends were nailed to the wall. They were crucified on this wall. I was like, what's going on? What's going on? And they said, it's okay. We're being crucified with Christ. You know, it's a very literal picture. We're being crucified with Christ, but, but it's okay. You should join us. It's like, how do I do that? I said, the man down there, they couldn't point, obviously. So, um... <laughs> Glad this isn't being videotaped. Um, so that man sell, sells nails. Go talk to him. So I go to this nail salesman, and he pulls back this, this linen sheet, and there's two sets of nails. One set are these long, really thin, super sharp, shiny ones. And the other ones, they look like railroad ties. They're big, and they're thick, and they just kind of come to a dull point. I'm like, these look awful. Why, why did the two types? And he goes, well, the long skinny ones, they go in pretty easy. But they're so skinny that they kind of hurt more long term. Whereas the big ones, you know, they hurt like a mug going in, but they support your weight nice. <laughs> These are my options? <laughs> no. <laughs> no offense, but both these options suck. <laughs> and in the dream, I ran away. And I come back later, and my friends are walking around, and they're literally in these bright white garments, and they're shining, and they're ministering in power. I said, I thought you guys were being crucified. We are, but we've died to ourselves, and now we're walking in resurrection power. And all I could think is, and I ran away. And then I woke up. And the Lord said to me, David, no matter what you do, you're going to have to choose your nails. And you can either choose the nails that you say, I'm going to let God do what he wants to do to bring me to the end of myself so that he can live. 
or I can keep trying to save my life, and he's going to pursue me and get his way anyway. You can either choose to live a crucified life and let God work death to your old man, or you can let circumstances knock you around until you're finally willing to die to that old man. Or you can run away. Don't run away. Don't run away from this process. All right. Let's take a short break. About how long? 50 minutes. Yeah. Um, during the past like few days, something I really noticed is usually like when I'm in this type of setting, there's always like that one person in the back of the room that's like, oh, wow, look at them. You know, always one person, always that guy. And I like, I noticed those people because I was that guy for a really long time. And I was, I, for a long time, I was struggling. That guy. <laughs> Everyone is saying how I can't say that these days. That girl. That girl. And I was, like, really frustrated with the Lord because I was like, am I ever going to be in a situation where everybody actually wants the same thing? And just getting really frustrated, like, you know, with Christians and everything. And this is the first time I have ever witnessed a full room where Everybody wants the same thing. And I was so, like, faith restored. <laughs> like, it was beautiful to watch. And that encouraged me. You know what I mean? Like, the guy in the back who thinks he's, like, so holy and, like, you know, thinking that if every... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thinking that helps the environment when it's not. No, listen, um, anybody here ever take the Myers-Briggs? Okay, I am like way, I'm way ENFP. <laughs> but I have some really non-ENFP tendencies because ENFPs are like real connectors, you know. That's just kind of how we think. And I do have that. But I also am, I have no problem rebuking. I don't like it. In, in fact, nobody wants to be rebuked by somebody who likes rebuke. You know, if they like to rebuke, don't let them rebuke you. The one I want to be rebuked by is my wife, who's like a totally redeemed mercy person. She's, she's so merciful and she's so kind, but she's got steel in her spine. And so she'll look at me and very kindly go, uh-uh, sorry. I love you so much. How do I put this? You're acting a bit like a turd. <laughs> but sometimes people, when they pull that junk, it's like, wow, yeah, people were getting a lot of breakthrough. They really needed it. And I smell that junk. I go, bro, you, you needed it, and you missed out. I won't back off from stuff like that. Because it doesn't do anybody any favors if they just hang back. So guaranteed, you will have, all have times where you feel like hanging back again. And what did I challenge you guys to do? You commit to do what for each other? Contend for? 
Yeah, for each other's hearts. Say it again. I will contend for my brother's heart. And you're all brothers in this situation. So, so if you see one of you, you know, it doesn't always look like this. Sometimes it looks like this. That you could tell. You know what I'm saying? You could totally tell. You're like, ah, breakthrough, breakthrough, breakthrough. Totally walled off. What are you going to do about it? Because your speakers won't always catch it. It's not all their anointing. And so you have to contend. You know, you have to have the confidence to get in each other's face and lovingly say, you're not acting like who you are right now. You're not acting like who you are. And pull them up. Here's a fun one. I challenge you to pray for prophetic insight into each other's giftings. You pray for it for each other. I, okay, I'm going to give you a prayer that God will always answer. I've never seen this prayer not answered. I, I kid you not. I've never seen this one not be. Oh, oh, no, well, you know, it's almost like I'm tricking you just now. I just want you to know that. Here, here it is. Lord, what do you like about that person? I've always seen that one get answered. It's like, Lord, what do you like about that person? And so that's a fun experiment. Lord, what do you like about Steve? You know, it's, we all like Steve because he's cool. But the Lord likes him for, for reasons that are secret to the Lord, and he'll tell you. And then what you do is you call it out of him. If somebody came up to you and said, Kiana, I was praying, you know what the Lord told me he liked about you? Is that something you'd like to hear? Yeah. But it's what he likes about you. Why would you be scared of that? Oh, man. You're, you're, uh, oh, okay. Everybody, this week, I challenge you to pray and ask Lord what he likes about Kiana. And then I want you to speak it out. We're just going to get her over this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just like bullseye. You so need it because you are so loved. And you are so liked. And, you know, I just am looking forward to God overwhelming you with how much he loves and likes you. Because, you know, you have that sort of go-getter thing that you'll go after things. When you want it, you'll go after it. And you know what? The enemy has so tried to block you off from going after other people's hearts because you're afraid of your own. And that's, that's done. I guarantee you that's done. And you're going to go after people's hearts in a way that may make them uncomfortable, but they're going to be drawn to you. And you've got a mom anointing. <laughs> you do, you do. <laughs> it's not an age thing. It's not an age thing. It's that thing that goes after kids and says, I love you, this is who you are, I love you. And that's what you're really like. And the enemy's so intimidated that you're going to get that. Because then you're just going to go around messing up his junk and kicking over his stuff and breaking his walls. And He's like, oh, I just got the place decorated. Okay, <laughs> anybody else? have a reflection um so what i yes what i've really loved about this week is um how vulnerable like not only we students have been but the staff and even you because like <coughs> my big thing like i sometimes i get like repulsed actually no all the time all i like i get like repulsed by like by like staff or like speakers that are like kind of like they have that holier than thou type of attitude 
Yeah, exactly. And then, or the, like the people that are like, oh yeah, you know, um, even if you get angry, just put on Jesus. It's gonna be okay. And I'm like, when Jesus was angry, he formed a whip and he whipped people. I mean, that's serious. Like he was actually angry, and like, um, and the people are like, oh yeah, no, I need a exactly because he formed a whip. <laughs> To make a whip. What do you need it for? I'm making a whip. Exactly. So, so like, yeah, you know, those people that are like, oh, no, I need to shut down my emotions and act like everything's okay because that's the only way that I can disciple to other people. And that pisses me off so much. And I just love the openness and the vulnerability because then it's like, wow, this guy's been walking with the Lord for years and like he's still like in the in like in this state like you know you never get to a place where everything's fine when you have it all together like when you're not a mess like that never happens and that's so encouraging to me and i think even to other people like just to see that you know just because you're a christian doesn't mean that everything's fine you know we're not walking in a field with unicorns and ponies and you know we have flowers singing and rainbows going like that's not <laughs> like i don't like that's <laughs> That's not Christianity, you know? Like, the only thing Jesus pro promised us, like, was suffering, like, in this world. They're like, what are we going to do? He's like, well, in this world, you're going to suffer. He didn't say in this world, you're going to have it all together. And I love that. <laughs> like, he didn't say that. <laughs> Maybe, you know, in the next millennium, you know? But, <laughs> well, hopefully not. But, you know, like, I just, I love that. And that's probably been, like, for me, like, that's probably been like my f like my absolute favorite thing about this week is just like the vulnerability the openness the brokenness and just seeing like people in their real raw state like it's not crying like all that stuff like it's beautiful it's it's amazing i love it um, we, we have uh, a gentleman sitting in the back his name is kevin norris and i'm not going to steal any of his thunder but i want to tell you something a lot of what you're seeing a lot of our dna uh comes from that man and the, the deal is, and I won't go into his whole story, but there was a point in time where a lot of things were getting not so great. And Kevin was like, we have got to live open with each other. We have got to live broken and transparent with each other. And he just sat a, set a culture in school of worship where it is about, no, listen, we don't play games with our junk. We, we bring it to the light, and we love each other through it. But the secret life... If it's not a secret life with Jesus, will kill us. It will bear fruit that will eventually be eaten either under righteousness or under poisoning. And so Kevin just kind of set the DNA of, of our culture to be that way. So, you know, it's biblical, so I know he won't take credit for it either. But <laughs> um, th that guy's a hero, and he's one of my heroes. And, yeah. Yes. I just felt I really want to encourage the staff out of what Bo just said, that I'm just really, really happy that you took the step and, and was part of whatever was going on this week. Because I've been staff and I know that like my first year of staff in DTS, I'm like, oh, I need to have it all together. I need to be perfect. <laughs> but it's just, you know, like you need to, if you have this like expectance on yourself, like, okay, you know, it's, it's their time now. They, you know, I want to give them the space. So it can be both this like, you know, like, oh, I have it all together thinking, you know, that you do, or that you just don't want to take the space. But j I just want to encourage you, like, take the space. We need you to, because you are all leaders. And if you go ahead, it's like, okay, I'm going to take the step because, you know, I need to be part of this. We will follow much easier. Every time 
I done that. Every time I, like as a staff or anything, I've been taking like, okay, when I, when I got that part that I actually needed to <laughs> be part of the whole p thing, uh, and it's good. Like every time someone came up to me, they was like, thank you for, for doing that. Thank you for being vulnerable. Now I can see that I'm c I can do that too. Or, you know, it's okay that, um, you know, because it's so easy for a student, especially in DTS, that they think like their staff is perfect. You know, they already done it. You know, they have it all. And m one of my revelations in my DTS was seeing one of my staff, she just wept and just like, whoa, she's, she's not perfect. Uh, <coughs> what happened here? <laughs> okay, I was like, okay, well, <laughs> you know, and without even knowing it, this is just burden was lifted off of me. I'm like, I don't have to be, you know, this holy <laughs> kind of person. She was like, she was just real with God. And uh, yeah, please be real with God. Please be real with us. And don't fear, you know, like this week, I think. And that's why not all of you were here, but Wednesday, when we all shared testimonies, I just had it in my spirit from start, like, why are the staff in the back? Why are this, you know, because they want to give space to us. But I was like, no, we need to give space to them too. We need to have, we are all here together. So I'm sorry, it's me kind of preaching now. But <laughs> yeah, it's for me, I see that holistic always. I'm like, if something is not part of it, if it's if we're not connected, we are not going in the same strength. So, thank you, and come. <laughs> you guys should give your staff a hand, because they really, yeah. <laughs> that was all. No, I liked it. I mean, let's be honest. This is, this is what we're all doing when people do things like this. It's like, Okay, the reason I wanted to do kind of a debrief this morning is, is really we started off the week with it's a very simple statement, and rather than it being about my messages, God decided to demonstrate it so that you could really see how it works in the real world, because what I said at the very beginning is he's given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. You, he's in you. You cannot get more intimate than that, and it's about learning to respond and nurture that, but the biggest issue is not whether we can get God to come to us. It's usually the lies that are blocking it. So you guys have all seen that. So I want to talk to you just a little bit. We're going to close up with this about just kind of how to hold on to this. The main thing has already been reinforced, which is openness, brokenness, transparency. That's the main thing. That's one of the main things you can do. When you don't know what else to do, have you ever got to the point where you're just confused and frustrated and you don't know what to do? Anybody but me get that way? I, let me give you what you do every single time. Find somebody and talk to them. Not like venting, vomiting, <laughs> but honest disclosure. Because there is a difference, you know, to go to them. You're going with the intent of letting them speak into your life. Not to reinforce your offense. That's really important. Don't seek alliances against God. That's not going to work very well for your soul. Do you guys know what I mean when I say that? 
where somebody's going to come to you and you, know, you go to them and you gripe about the Lord and they're like, yeah, and oh, I'm so sorry you're going through this and that bad. Jesus, he's just not being very nice. That is not going to help you. But what we do need is somebody says, I hear your pain, I validate your pain. Now let's identify the lie you're believing. And calls you up higher. Never seek allies. Talk to people who you know will love you and speak truth. Find those people. Treasure those people. Because you need somebody that's going to just look at you. I've told my whole leadership team, you know, I'm the base director, but I tell them, I need you to say no to me. I need you to not just put yes to all my ideas. I need you to say no if you feel like Holy Spirit saying no. I need you to call me on stuff because I call them on stuff all the time. I need them to do it for me too. And so one time we were dealing with an issue on the base and I was so frustrated. So I said, okay, that's it. That's it. We're going to make a rule and this is the rule. Oh, that's a red flag right there. The minute somebody jumps to a rule, you've, you've traded discipleship for ease because rules are lazy man's discipleship. <laughs> no, but they are. Rules are lazy man's discipleship. And so I, 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 I just, I said, okay, that's it. We're going to make a rule. And my co-leader, Greg Lilly, he just, he, I love Greg too. He, Greg, this is exactly what he does. He goes, huh, that doesn't sound like the David McDaniel I know. I was instantly convicted. And instantly I was like, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm really mad. He goes, okay. So we vented through my anger, worked through my anger, prayed it through, and then the Holy Spirit gave us wisdom how to handle the situation. Discipleship's a lot more work. But if you don't have people around that will partner against your sin for Jesus, you're in real trouble. So. The three main ingredients of freedom, and it's really not rocking science here. We've been dealing with, a, this, this is literally review of what we've been doing the last couple of days. Forgiveness. How many of you have forgiven somebody, including yourself and God, in the last two days? Okay. Major key to free. Do you feel freer? <laughs> okay. I don't, these are not trick questions. and I don't want it to sound like kindergarten. Do you feel more free now, kids? <laughs> Repentance. Simply recognizing that you've made choices either. I've heard some of you um, forgive people. I've heard some of you repent of judgment. Some of you have broken vows. And that's a form of repentance. And the last one is lie replacement. You simply go, that's a lie. I call it a lie. And I'm going to replace the lie with truth. It's you can remember these. Okay, what's the first one, boys and girls? <laughs> no, no, come on, say it with me now. <laughs> no, I'm not. Say it. <laughs> Second one. Last one. You can remember that. That is actually the key. Yeah. I don't think you do hate repentance. So... What do you mean when you say that? Let's ask that question. What do you mean when you say you hate repentance? Sorry, you started it. <laughs> What's going on in your heart? That's the real question. 
the real question is why. I mean, I could give you a lot of reasons, but yours may be different than any of the ones I give. Usually, it has to do with the last one. Well, forgiveness has to do with, you know, letting other people go. But for some people, forgiveness is really hard. It depends on the person. So there's a lie that you believe about repentance. And so that's where the lie replacement comes in. What does it mean to you? What do you associate? What are you, what are you afraid of or angry about? It's usually you're afraid of something, you're prideful about something, or there's a justice issue. And so that's something you might want to explore with the Lord rather than me feeding you the packaged Christian answer. But what? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Here, open this. Take it with water and take a nap. <laughs> but the thing is, God's not looking for puppets. He's looking for a bride. And so because he's looking for a bride, he's inviting you into the romance, which means you've got to participate. If you don't fight for your own freedom, this is everybody. I'm talking to you, but this is for everybody. If you don't fight for your own freedom, nobody else will either. We'll contend for your heart, but ultimately it comes down to you have to say yes to it. Now, remember crazy stalker Jesus. He can make you awfully uncomfortable until you do repent, but he's always going to go after the reason you don't want to because usually we think that this is giving us life, and that's, it's a lie. Does that at least make sense in principle? Do you have an idea what your deal is now? See, that was a subtle yes to me, actually. <laughs> actually, what you said to me is yes, but I don't want to say or because I'm not 100% sure. Okay, that's, that's fine, and I won't put you on the spot. I, I won't do that. But you, you're, you're getting the idea of how to process. Would you promise you'll talk to somebody? Okay, fair enough. Any questions about this? Yes, I find it works better if you do it with others. Now, okay, let me tell you how I try to roll. When I'm getting big breakthrough and stuff, I try to invite people. But you know there are times when it's like Satan's trying to take old ground that I have already repented to people. And I will try to do the battle myself first because a lot of times it, if I just go after it, with the, especially with the lie replacement, I find it's like, yeah, good, and I break it off. There are times, though, when I'm not getting victory Man, I've been going after this. I'm not getting victory. I will always go to somebody else. That's my go-to. Try to deal with it secretly before the Lord, but not out of pride and not because I'm afraid of other people knowing. It's just I want to fight for my own freedom with the Holy Spirit. But if I don't get free, I, I, I go to somebody else. Hey, guys, I've, been, I've forgiven this. I've repented of this. I've replaced these lies. I'm still not getting breakthrough. Will you contend for me? Any other questions? Yes. Me too. Okay. That, that is a fantastic question. Um, actually, I'm tempted just to 
jump to another place in my notes right now to talk about this thing because it's about pursuit. It's about pursuing the Lord at this point. I think, I think the main thing I will say to you right now is renewing your mind. Renewing your mind to the promises of God, to be in the word. You know, a lot of times we get, you know, we're so experience-driven that we don't get in the word enough. Worship leaders are notoriously weak in the word because it's all about what I feel, man. I'm just like, oh, artists, you know. But we've got to get in the word because the word is that scalpel. It is that two-edged sword. It is that source of promise. You've got to read the word, and you've got to stand on the word, you guys. Because lie replacement isn't about a pep talk. It's about what does the word say about you. So addressing specific lies with specific scriptures. Does that make sense? So, like, how many of you deal with fear? Okay, because that came up a lot yesterday. What does the Bible say about fear? I want to hear specific verses. So, yeah, uh, let, uh, go ahead. No, you go ahead, Kelly. No. Okay, what was it? What else? Any others? <laughs> me, 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 me. <laughs> oh, no, listen, people being excited about sharing the Bible, I'm really good with that. It was just kind of cute. No, no, no. <laughs> Anything else? What time I'm afraid I will trust him who made heaven and earth. What else? Why? He even gives a reason. Fear not, for I am with you. Okay, so this is what I do when I'm dealing with fear. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over the spirit of fear in my life. I repent of agreement with fear, and Lord, I believe for your cleansing to come to cleanse me with fear. And any spirit of fear, I rebuke you, I command you to leave me alone. And right now, I agree with the truth that says, and I'll start quoting those verses, and I will say them out loud. I will stalk the floor, speaking those scriptures out loud, not in some sort of pagan repetition, but I'm going to say it, I'm going to hear it, I'm going to move my body, I'm going to agree with it, and I'm going to do battle until it starts to come up automatically. Because once you get scripture in you, the fear will try to come back. But what I see happens in my life right now is the fear will start to come, and those scriptures will come up and actually start attacking it before I have to think about it. Because Holy Spirit's real, and the Word is alive. And so every area of bondage that you've ever walked in, find out what the Bible says about it, and prowl the floor, quoting those things out loud until it's automatic. And you watch how Holy Spirit starts doing battle for you using the Bible itself. That's how I do it. Does that make sense? So it's, it's not, it's, see, if we don't learn to do this, we, we need an experience over and over and over again. When we learn to do this, we learn actually to pursue experience in the secret life. You, know, you don't have to wait till your next week of school worship to feel better. You can actually learn to get along with the king and contend for your own freedom. And then you start bringing freedom to other people because you actually carry authority in this area now. And that's what you're designed. Remember, you guys, you are called to lead others. You are all leaders. You may not feel like a leader, but if you're in this room, you are a leader. And you are called to contend for others. So you've got to learn how to do it for yourself. Anything else? 
I'm going to go through this pretty quickly because I actually feel like we've been going, getting through this in practice in our ministry times the last two days. But I kind of want to explain to you what's been going on. Talking about the breaking of the outer man, which I jokingly refer to as partnering with Jesus to accomplish our own death. Because <laughs> it does feel like dying. And to a certain extent, it really is dying. Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. And the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I love that. Have been crucified with Christ. Super important. All of your sins, yours specifically, were nailed to the cross with Christ. And when he died, your sins died with him. When he rose again on the third day, you rose with him. And so your old man, in, in, as far as what used to dominate your sin nature, it's been crucified and killed. You, that guy no longer lives inside of you. If you're a born-again believer, you've had a spirit transplant. It's already happened. It's already done. You are already righteous. We've been talking about this week. You are already intimate with Christ. You are already loved. You already have the spirit of adoption. You are already sons and daughters. Not you're becoming. You are right now a citizen of heaven. Right now, your real life is hidden with Christ in God who is seated at the right hand of the Father. And it's just like, this is what the Bible says about you. So, the life that you live now, present tense in this body... You live it by faith, not in yourself, not in your faith. You don't have faith in your faith. You don't have faith in your experiences. You have faith in the Son of God, who is motivated by total love to the point that he gave himself for you. This is the God we're trusting. So what does that look like? This should be easy. We've been talking about it all week, but I just want to just kind of... Okay, so the outermost man, the body, you know, this is what we're walking around in, our earth suit, you know. You get your earth suit. Well, there's a space suit and there's an earth suit. If you're a citizen of heaven, you have to have something by which you walk around in this alien environment called earth. Because this is the alien environment and heaven is actually your real environment. That's actually the air you really breathe. So this earth suit just helps you to breathe in this environment because you're actually designed to breathe the breath of God. Isn't that a cool picture? So just picture yourself like one of those sci-fi movies. <laughs> This is a strange planet populated by strange beings. She's like, why did he look at me? Okay. <laughs> and then we've got our outer man. See, outermost man, the earth suit. But the outer man is the soul, the mind, the will, and the emotions. These are word pictures, by the way. This isn't a literal structure. Please don't get that. This is how Paul chose to help people get how things worked. It is, I don't, I don't, think it really literally means we're divided up all nice and clean like that. But it is just a way that Paul was talking to Greeks to help them understand what God had done. But your mind, your will, and your emotions. What do we do with our minds, people? Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> I like to think that you think. <laughs> Sometimes we don't. What do we do with our wills? Yeah, we make decisions. We choose. So we think, we choose, and what do we do with our emotions? We feel. Does God have emotions? Okay, does God get mad? Yeah, nobody gets mad like God. 
I don't know, you know, you might have gotten pretty mad. You've probably never flooded a planet. <laughs> I've been pretty pissed I've never flooded a planet. <laughs> so we, we've got to get away from this idea that being angry is wrong. In fact, godly anger provokes us to action. I saw these, these guys. Uh, I, I got a better story, actually. I got a friend named Mark Alderson. He's got one glass eye, and he's a bodybuilder. And when he was a young man, he was an athlete, but he wasn't as big as he is now. But he, he had the glass eye. His dad was mowing the lawn, and a rock spit out and hit him right now. He split his eye. It was so nasty. But he has this glass eye. And, and so sometimes he looks at you, and he looks like he's looking at you like this. And he talks just like this. He's got this kind of strange voice. And these two guys were picking on this little guy in his school, and he, and he, he got angry. And he went up and he pushed one of the guys. Was that wrong necessarily? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I'm just going to be really honest with you because there are times when we're called to rise up and defend the innocent. And it may require physical action. And so Mark goes up, sees this little guy being bullied by two bigger guys, and he goes up and he just pushes the guy. No, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. No, I miss. Um, well, good. Glad we clarified. No, these two guys are picking on this little guy, and Mark goes up and just goes, boom, and pushes this guy back. And the guy goes, You think you could take us both? <laughs> Mark goes, I don't know. <laughs> but I'd sure like to try. <laughs> <laughs> and these guys just backed off. See, that was a time when I actually say Mark reacted in righteous indignation. And he defended this innocent kid. And so anger is not necessarily a bad thing. It provokes you to action. Is fear a bad thing? A lion comes into this room. Should you be afraid? And what will fear help you to do? Go out that door. <laughs> The fearless man in that situation has just become a snack. <laughs> so there is a godly use for fear, okay? But living in fear damages your soul and destroys you. So any emotion, there's always a redeemed version of it, okay? So I'm getting somewhere with this. And then finally, we've got that inner circle, which is our inner man, the spirit, where we start off with that verse from 2 Peter. He's given us everything we need to live a godly life. That's, that's where that is, okay? So, got the body, the soul, and the spirit. Again, this is a word picture to help you understand something. People still writing? I don't want to move off this too quick. What we have been dealing with this week is this situation. If you can just picture this, when God, when we become born again, our, our, we get this new spirit. In fact, in the book of Romans, every time it mentions the spirit, it's actually almost totally impossible to tell from the context whether it's talking about God's spirit or the human spirit. And that's because when you're a born again believer, it's the same thing. You've got God's spirit in you. It's his spirit living in you. But the problem is, all of us have been, 
the last two days, what have we been talking about? Our brokenness and the lies we believe, and my, my dad's distant, and I don't like myself, and all these things. And so what happens is the spirit is designed to flow out through us. It gets blocked. It's like it just stops in all this junk. It's not that we're trying to get God to do stuff from the outside. He's trying to move from the inside out, but he gets stuck in all of our junk. And it's the unrenewed mind. It's the unyielded will and unrefined emotions. Is this making sense to you guys so far? That's what we've been dealing with. How many of you have had lies that you believed in your thought life get confronted the last two days? That's what Holy Spirit does. He comes to go, hey, men and women, you're actually, your thinking is wrong. Anybody here found that you actually were just kind of unwilling for some of the things God wanted and that got confronted? That's always embarrassing to admit. <laughs> to be gut up honest with God and say, God, I know this is your will, but I don't want to do it. Again, God's not going to be like, oh, I am God. <laughs> you should trust me. I'm so hurt. <laughs> you know, He's not going to be surprised. The other thing we deal with is our unrefined emotions where where the fear has dominated us. It's, no, it's not healthy fear. It's ungodly, destroying fear, anger that has been allowed to poison us. So again, the, the picture is before we were born again, that's what our spirit looked like. We were dead in sin. And all we had because we were dead in sin to make our decisions based on life were our, our senses, our eyes, our ears, our nose, mouth, our hands. Babies, have you ever noticed babies put everything in their mouth? Why do they, anybody know why they do that? Yeah, they're exploring, they're learning. It's actually, um, sharks do the same thing, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> sharks, sharks bite out of curiosity sometimes, which sucks if you're a person. You know, if he bites you out of curiosity, it's like you may die. Luckily, babies, babies are like, what is that? Hi, hi, hi. It is roughly cubicle shape. <laughs> yeah. Kids and dogs, at that stage, they kind of are, and kids drool more than most dogs. I know. My son, he was just a drool king. I was, I love you, buddy. Blah. So, the thing is, we were not designed to make all of our decisions by things that only happen on the outside. We were designed to make decisions from the spirit out. Again, just... Kind of that picture. Okay. I love what's everybody that goes out, I keep hearing. Ah! <laughs> what's that? <laughs> It'd be so funny to all of us go out and just go ah! and give a hug and come back in. You want do you want to do it?
<laughs> you know what I liked is the look on his face at first. He was like, ah. <laughs> he was like really excited. He's like, I don't actually know those people. <laughs> You stayed out a little. Do you actually know him? Okay. I was about to be like, um, that was odd. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm going to literally finish up in 10 minutes if you'll stay with me. Yes. We were not designed to make all of our decisions only by our five senses. We were designed to walk in the spirit. See, the thing is, God is spirit, and we were designed to interface with the spirit realm. And so, how do you explain the color red to a blind person? Can you do it? They don't, why? Okay, it's deeper than that. If you've been blind from birth, what's the problem even with, what's the problem with the color red? Do you realize they don't even have a concept of color? A blind person can never understand color the way you understand color. You might be able to talk around it, but they don't have any concept of visual reference. We were designed to walk in the spirit with a spirit that's alive, and we were supposed to be making decisions with God on all these things, but when we died in sin because of Adam and Eve, what happens is we became spiritually blind. And there are spiritual concepts that you literally can't get because you have no frame of reference for them. And so when you become born again, what happens is God's got to rebuild that in you that you're designed to be spiritual beings. And so a lot of times we're like the blind person who's discovering red for the first time. We're like, what the heck is this? What is this red thing? I like it, but it's overwhelming. You know, there have been people who were blind from birth that they actually discovered a weight. It's happened only a few times where they were actually able to restore their sight. Because it, and, and those they, a lot of times, they would end up walking around with their eyes closed for a while. Why? They were just overwhelmed. They, they were having to learn to process all this data. We do the same thing spiritually. Going back to what you said, it's why surrendering to God is so terrifying because he's like your color red to your former blindness, and it's overwhelming. And that's what all of us have been processing through the last two days. Does that make sense? And so what's going on here, if you can picture this, is God has got to break through this stuff because he's trying to get just the release of the spirit, the things that have been deposited in you. That intimacy, remember, it's not coming from out here. It's coming from here out. And so what a lot of you guys did yesterday is like, okay, God's not like my dad. Boom. And it cracks through that thing. Yesterday, you were actually allowing breaking to happen because you chose breaking. Did you see what you did yesterday and the day before? You actually chose to be broken by confessing to everybody rather than God having to use circumstances to break you. You actually picked it. You chose it. You got up and said to everybody, I've got a problem with lust. Crack. And all of a sudden there's a release of what God's deposited in you because a lie that this will bring you comfort got broken and now real comfort starts being able to flow out of you. You know, it's like, I really hate myself. 
All of a sudden, it's like, no, that's a lie. I don't agree with that anymore. Crack. And all of a sudden, the real thing starts being able to flow out of you. Do you see? Are you, are you kind of catching this? You can actually choose brokenness. You can allow the word to confront you. You can allow other people to confront you. You can just confess and crack. It releases this stuff. What happens then is the kingdom comes in power and character. Does that make sense to you guys? Let's see, what do I want to hit here? Just to reinforce it. So what it results uh, as a result of this is the spirit man rules, the soul man is submitted, and the body expresses itself, uh, ex- the body expressing both the soul and the spirit. Now, I want to say one more thing to you just real quick, and then I think we'll probably want to hit some fails real fast. What happens when we don't choose to do what we did yesterday, when we choose to hide instead? What, what, what happens? Does that just mean that we're not going to get that release? What happens? I want to hear from you. And this isn't a trick question because you can actually talk about your own life and probably get the answer. Before the last two days, how were you doing? <laughs> okay, you're all laughing. <laughs> You're laughing. Okay, so the port with you, you weren't doing so good. And so, as a result, uh, what's the fruit in your life? What's that? Awesomeness. No sarcasm there at all. No, what was the fruit in your life before the last two days? What was going on? I want to share something with you. Ideally, the best way to be broken is what we kind of stuff we did the last couple of days where you bring it to the community and the community contends for your breakthrough. The other thing that you can do is and, and should be doing is reading the word and asking Holy Spirit to confront your life with the word every day. When you open the book, let me tell you how I start all of my quiet times. Before I open the book, I say, Holy Spirit, you are the author of this book and you're still alive and you're here right now. And I ask you, I beg you, confront my life with the word. Confront my thoughts, confront, confront my mind, confront my choices, confront my emotions. Challenge me, please. I ask you to confront my life with your word. And then I read it with the desire to be confronted. And I tell you, I, I haven't had a dry, quiet time in about a decade. I really mean that. I really mean that because I'll be reading it, and I have to watch out for the spirit of Yaya. Do you guys know what I mean by the spirit of Yaya? Where you're reading, you go, oh, yeah, yeah, I get that. (laughs) And the Holy Spirit's like, whoa, whoa, stop. Do you? Well, I thought I did. (laughs) And then he'll make me kind of step back from all the stuff I think I know from what I've been trained, and I'll read it again. And the Word of God confronts my life every day. And so you can actually choose to be broken by the Word. In your quiet time. Break, brokenness, I want you to see it as a good thing. It's that spirit being released, okay? Good thing, not bad thing. That's what we've been experiencing the last two days. Did it feel good to be broken the last couple of days? It hurt a bit, but do you like the fruit of what you're seeing? Yeah, that's what we're after. Now, if we don't choose this, how will God be forced to break us then? See, I still consider that a fairly healthy response. You know, but what about the times when you're not even that soft 
I'm going to, we've only got a few, so what I'm, I'm just going to cut straight to the chase on this. If you don't choose it, God will use other people and circumstances to bring it. That bites. But he loves you so much. Anybody find themselves dating the same guy over and over? Different name, different hair, but same guy. Okay, let me, I got, listen, you've got to hear this. You've got to hear this. If that keeps happening, there is a root in your soul that keeps being drawn to that kind of guy. And the issue isn't the guys. The issue is what's going on in you that God needs to break. If you keep working for the same boss over and over, the issue is something in you. Anybody here ever said, oh, that guy makes me so mad? I got bad news for you. Nobody in the history of the world has ever made you mad. You've chosen to be angry because nobody can make you mad. You choose to be mad. If you are mad, it is your responsibility. Sorry, I have taken away one of your defenses, and I do not apologize <laughs> because you won't get free if I let you hold on to it. Nobody's ever made you depressed. Nobody's ever made you afraid. And now I'm talking, obviously, a serial killer with a knife. Okay, he made you afraid. <laughs> <laughs> But you know what I'm talking about, patterns. If you have a pattern, God is actually trying to get your attention. Here, I'm going to give you a simple diagnostic tool. What kind of people and circumstances are you allergic to consistently? That is an indicator of something in your own soul, not them. If you have a strong negative reaction to certain types of people or certain kinds of situations, you know the situations where like, oh, no, I'll never do that. I hate that. It's, it's actually something in you. And you can choose. Now, because the last two days, you actually know what to do with it. You can choose to let the Lord break you. You can actually participate with him for the release of what he's deposited in you. And so I've just taken away a major defensive tool and I know that's hard, but from now on, you're going to have to ask a very simple question. God, what in me is reacting negatively to this? I'm going to say that again. God, what in me is reacting negatively to this? Yes. Oh, yeah. I, I, uh, I, how many do I have? Um. This is being recorded, so I have to be careful because some of these people are alive, and I want to, if the <laughs> and the podcast. I don't. Well, you know, no, no, it's okay because it's it's a good example. Um, I kept working for dominant, controlling bosses. Uh, these really dominant, controlling bosses, and it just kept it kept happening over and over and over, and I kept getting mad at them. And one day, I was talking to my freak prophetic mother. <laughs> She goes, you know, sweetheart, the word that comes to me is when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. I just wanted to go, <laughs> but <laughs> it's like, what about there, there, there? I'm so sorry. But remember what I said, never go to somebody that's going to partner with you in, in your self-pity. You know, I didn't say it that way, but I liked your wording better. Because self-pity, it'll kill you. Self-pity is always deadly. Learn to hate self-pity. <laughs> I like how many people sighed deeply when I said that. No, self-pity is, is, self is, is, is an assassin that will sneak around your soul and will kill you slowly. 
So, so I kept working for these dominant controlling bosses, and my mom gives me that scripture. And so I started asking the Lord, okay, Lord, well, if a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Clearly the opposite is my ways aren't pleasing to you. And he goes, yeah, you hate authority. Wow, okay, ouch. I hate authority? He goes, yeah, because you've been abused by authority. <sighs> and the tears start coming. And I did just what we did the other day. I started pouring out my heart about times where authority had been abused in my life. And remember what I said earlier, it's not what happens to you that wounds you as much as how you respond to it. I'd responded to the abuse of authority with, with bitter root judgments, vows, anger, and self-defensiveness. And so the Lord demanded that I lay all that down. And then he had me walk in the opposite spirit. You're going you're gonna to hate this. I had to start calling my dominant controlling boss, sir. Yes, sir. No, sir. And I had to start submitting to everything he said that was moral and right. And I had to do it with a good attitude. But you know what? It wasn't about him. Who was it about? It was a breaking sin patterns because I, I had not trusted leadership for so long that once the Lord used circumstances to, the term I use is bump my backpack. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Anybody here ever gone hiking? Get a good backpack, sits on your hips, you adjust it right, the weight's all right here, but you still have to walk different because you got all this weight. Most of us have got backpacks full of junk, emotional junk that we carry around. And one time I was walking, I was in Borneo, and I was walking through the jungles, and the, the, my backpack bumped into a tree. And you know how you can get used to carrying something, but then something will hit it just right, and all of a sudden your balance, you realize your balance is not quite what it was. And I went piling down this hill. Because it was like, bump, and it was like a cartoon. It was kind of funny and painful. <laughs> but then when I got up, as I got up and I readjusted my weight and just kept walking. Most of us do that with, the, with our broken emotions. We're carrying this backpack full of junk, and God in his mercy is going to bump that backpack to show us we're carrying it. But it isn't so we can just get up and keep walking on. It's so that we can, like, go, wow, I got a backpack full of jump, junk I'm not supposed to carry. He'll use other people to bump the backpack. He'll use circumstances to bump your backpack. He'll use, hopefully use the word to bump your backpack, people who love you to bump your backpack. But the idea is take the stuff out of the backpack. Cast your cares on him because he cares for you. And so this boss bumped my backpack, and the Lord showed me that one of the weights I was carrying around was a deep mistrust of authority. And how he healed it was forgiveness, repentance, and lie replacement. Now, this, I like this story because it actually has a happy ending. They don't all have happy endings circumstantially. The happy ending is freedom in my soul. But this one actually was really interesting because I started submitting to this guy. And the funny thing is he went from hating me to confiding in me. Then he got fired and I got his job. Anyhow, so there you go. <laughs> so there you go. So that's the message of the story. If you submit to God, he's going to get the other guy fired to get his job. No, that's not what I'm saying. You guys tracking? The whole point of this week is it's been deposited in you. You're as close to God as you're ever going to get. And now he's giving you tools individually and as a community to recognize what he's doing, to unblock so that that can be released through you. And if you will keep contending for each other, during this week, 
during this, this school and for the rest of your life, you're going to find that you grow in more and more freedom. And the, the cool news is you don't get to become a better and stronger Christian. That's actually not what happens. You become a weaker, more dependent, more loved believer. And it's a lot easier than trying to have it all together. I don't have it all together, but my God does, and he lives in me, and he lives through me. And hopefully the best things you're seeing about me are him. So I don't actually have any more to say unless you have some more questions. Yes, ma'am. Yes, I did say that, but reinforce it, yes. Okay. See, and there are seasons like that. I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up. Okay, not getting breakthrough is, this is a hard word. You are getting breakthrough. It just doesn't feel like breakthrough. And so you've got to stay with it. You've got to stay with it. You've got to contend in the secret place. And it doesn't always come quick. Because that's the other thing that gets provoked is most of us, we're a fast food generation. You know, you go through the drive-thru. We got microwave, we got microwave popcorn. And even now on a lot of microwaves, you have a quick start button. Like one button, God forbid you should have to push a button three times. <laughs> to get popcorn? Well, the hell never cease. <laughs> And so we want, we want three buttons max until we get something that delights us. And God doesn't work that way. And sometimes it is about are we willing to bear in with our suffering until the breakthrough comes. And that's not easy. I don't want to lie. But that's also part of growth. Because a mature person has to learn to fight through to the end even when it hurts in the middle. So that was a, good, that was a great question. Anything else? People you're allergic to, is the way I always call it. <laughs> oh, I don't remember. Why don't you, what do your notes say? And then I can help you. This happens to me a lot. Okay, I'll, I'll say it this way. If there's a pattern, it's about something in you. Look for patterns. You know, if you date the same bad guy over and over, it's something in you that's being drawn to those guys. If you have the same boss over and over, God may be trying to get at something in you. Now, I'm not just talking about bad things happening where it's like it's the same thing over and over. Why does this, you know, this sentence is the one that you should watch out for. Why does this keep happening to me? Let those words haunt you all your days now that I've said this. <laughs> Why does it keep happening to me? Crap, Dave! <laughs> because now you got to, like, get before the Lord and go, Lord, what in me is reacting? But, you know, the fruit of this is freedom and intimacy and life and breakthrough. This is good stuff. Remember the last two days. Were they good days? This is what it feels like to get free. So I think God just chose to teach the message in sort of an, an inverted way so that you really, 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 really get that, that it's worth doing this stuff for so you can get free. And it feels way better than bondage. Right, Whitney?
Yeah, so she's a. I'm going to turn this over to Sam. You guys are awesome. <laughs>